Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys. Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to the Speaking Podcast. Today, we are talking energy and, more specifically, uh, something I pointed out on my radio show last week when we had a special guest. As you know, I'm working with Affordable Energy New Jersey to fight back against the governor's outrageous master energy plan. It's, it is truly a solution in search of a problem. And the problems that will come if this thing becomes the law of the land in New Jersey, if it's enacted, you can watch your energy bills go through the roof. So I wanted to bring in uh, an expert. His, uh, he is somebody who knows the energy issue backward and forward. He is an economist. His name is Dr. Jonathan Lesser. Joined me on the radio last week. And now we've got him on the podcast. Doc, welcome back. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate the time. I know how busy you are. And uh, the guys at Affordable Energy New Jersey, I know, value all your input. Let me ask you this. Let's start with uh, something that when I tell people that this is a part of the governor's plan, they are shocked to hear it. And many people are skeptical. They actually think I'm exaggerating. But part of the plan is to... Uh, retrofit homes and businesses in New Jersey and certainly everything new going forward with heat pumps and turn them into electrical heat and air only and slowly phase out or quickly phase out the natural gas component? Well, um, it's not an exaggeration. The Energy Master Plan uh, calls for a requirement to electrify all homes, including uh, single-family homes, multifamily homes, townhouses, apartments, uh, and businesses by 2050. That's 29 years from now. Um, the cost is, well, they, uh, they, they used these estimates from Rocky Mountain Institute. And Rocky Mountain Institute, for those who don't know, is a, um, was founded by a gentleman named Amory Lovins about 40 years ago. And he believes energy efficiency is the answer to everything, no matter what the question is, it just calls for more energy efficiency. So they estimated that, oh, it will just cost $7,000 to say replace, put in a heat pump instead of a new natural gas furnace. And that's going to save homeowners, businesses, lots and lots of money, which of course begs the question, if it's such a wonderful deal, why do you have to force eat, eat your spinach regulation and force people to do this when, when it, it's obviously in their own economic interest, at least according to RMI? Well, it turns out that the cost, they have grossly underestimated the costs because the, the problem with heat pumps and uh, for people who don't know what a heat pump is, think of it as a refrigerator that works in reverse. So it takes heat from the outside air, extracts it, and pours it inside. Well, that's very nice, except when the weather gets really cold, there's less heat to extract. 
And so heat pumps become less and less efficient as, uh, as the weather gets very cold. So if you're in a, you know, a bitter cold January or February day in New Jersey, which does happen, um, your heat pump isn't gonna work very well. And so one heat pump is not gonna provide enough heat for your home. Hence, you're gonna need a second heat pump or you're gonna need backup heat in the form of electric resistance heat. Uh, like the, you know, that little space. What heater. is that? That's the baseboard or? Space yeah, the baseboard heat or the little yeah. portable space heater. Those are resistance heat. Which anybody who has ever had electric heat like that knows exactly how expensive and outrageously expensive that is. Um, exactly. Exactly. And the other thing I want to do for the heat pump, they estimate 7000 but just a quick Google search, you'll find that heat pumps can cost not only more than $10,000 in some cases, but if you have to get that working in an older home, you could end up spending more than $30,000. That's right. And for, for my, my report for affordable energy for New Jersey, for New Jersey, excuse me, um, I used Massachusetts data. They used, um, there was a study done of about 600 homes that actually installed heat pumps and had, and had enough heat. And the average cost was $23,000 per home. That's 7,000, 23,000. So what I did is then looked at, all right, there are roughly 2 million homes in the state that single family homes that are currently heat with natural gas or fuel oil or propane. If you replaced all those with electric heat pumps, you're talking $60 billion. Wow. Uh, but like the, uh, those late night commercials say, wait, there's more because you have to include the cost for apartments, apartment buildings. Uh, you have to include, they also want to replace your hot water heater. So probably 80% of New Jerseyans uh, homes have gas hot water heaters. Uh, well, the EMP calls for replacing those with electric space heat or heat pump water heaters. That would add easily another $5 billion to retrofit big commercial apartment buildings with boilers that could that will cost billions more. I so, actually don't know what the actual. So, the, Jonathan, let, let's take it to the next level. Sure. So, billions of dollars. Either they're going to say you homeowner are stuck, and we're going to make this uh, just too bad. The environment's too important, uh, or the taxpayers will pay for it because it'll be subsidized. So, either way, it's the way they. Uh, it's this whole boondoggle of solar in New Jersey, where there's so many subsidies involved. Taxpayers end up paying for it. Uh, and not efficient at all. Meanwhile, natural gas and nuclear, the lights turn on. There's never an issue other than uh, the storms we have in central Jersey when the trees knock the power lines down. But that's a different story. I now have a natural gas generator that turns on automatically. And I know a lot of people are doing that with their new homes. That said, this is all powered by the grid. So it's not like a natural gas generator. It's not like uh, even solar power where I've, I've got my power being produced locally. You've got to plug into the grid. And the grid, I understand, their part of the master plan is to move toward wind power because they've ignored all the discussion of how safe, clean, affordable, uh, low emissions, et cetera, with natural gas. And they're saying, well, wind is better. And as if I have read it correctly in my conversations with Mike at NJ Affordable Energy and you, a lot of this will be out-of-state wind power. So we're now going to bring in to our power grid from other states. How does that work on energy costs for the average person and efficiency as far as keeping the lights on? Well, the, the plan 
calls for a very heavy reliance on offshore wind. Um, now, some of that is going to be built off the coast of New Jersey, for example, the Ocean Wind Project, which is scheduled to go online in 2024. Um, offshore wind, I did a report for the Manhattan Institute last August, where I looked at the costs of offshore wind and found that the, 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 the promises for offshore wind that'll be so cheap are just completely bogus. Um, Why? Well, one, there, uh, there's a very detailed study about of European offshore wind. And they found that the, the guy who did that study, Gordon Hughes, is a professor. He does very, very good research. Um, and what he found was that 80% of the new offshore wind turbines that were installed in Europe in the last 10 years uh, not the older ones, the newer ones, 80% suffered major system failures during their first 10 years, which caused extensive outages. He also found that their operation maintenance costs were much higher than expected. And so what you have is, uh, you, first off, you have contracts that in the case of New Jersey, Ocean Winds contract starts at $100 a megawatt hour, or 10 that's a uh, dollar a kilowatt hour. I'm sorry, 10 cents a kilowatt hour, just for the power. Now, by contrast, uh, wholesale electricity prices uh, in PJM, which is where New Jersey is located, um, were about $20 a megawatt hour in 2019 and 2020. So New Jersey is going to pay offshore wind developers like Ocean Wind, at least five times the market price for their power. And that's a 20 year contract. Go ahead. Jonathan, to that. So, so I mean, five times the cost, it, it, it's over the top. If your average electricity bill is a hundred bucks now, you're talking the potential of it ballooning to 300, 400, $500. Um, that said, which is unaffordable for most middle-class and working class families in the state, given the fact that our property taxes average more than $9,000 household or somewhere in that range, 8,900 to 9,100. Um, you know, our, our, our real estate taxes, our uh, sales taxes, all of the taxes continue to go up. Now this adds another cost, but let's talk about efficiency. In my uh, own research, looking at this over the years, always fighting back against um, uh, unnecessary changes when we have the cleanest energy and cleanest air that we've had in 40 years, thanks to nuclear energy and natural gas, is the efficiency and the capacity. And as the Energy uh, Information Agency with the federal government reports, solar and wind operate somewhere between 25 and 35 percent with their capacity factor, which means they're only generating energy a third of the time compared to natural gas and nuclear, which are generating energy 90 plus percent of the time. So what does that mean? First of all, if you can uh, reaffirm, because you're the expert, I've done the research, but I'd love to hear it from the experts who will say, yes, that's exactly how you interpret this. Uh, but more importantly, what does this mean to keeping the lights on uh, when, when you've got such a draw on power like California sees when all the air conditioners are on in the heat of the summer? Well, that's, that's you raise a really good point. And what it means is, you know, first off, if you replace all the space heat, gas space heat, oil space heat with electric heat pumps, you're going to increase the demand for electricity a whole lot. Right. And then remember, the EMP also calls for 
putting electric vehicles on the road. So, and there's also a New Jer the New Jersey uh, uh, legislation, S2242 or 92, I'm uh, not really sure which. Um, it calls for 300,000 electric vehicles by 2025 and 2 million by 2035 and a ban on all natural uh, and all gasoline powered vehicles yeah. starting 2035. Well, right now, Electricity use in the home and homes and businesses accounts for about one sixth of total energy use in the state. So you're going to increase once you start putting and and 45% is transportation energy. Once you start electrifying transportation and electrifying uh, your all your space and water heat, along with your net, you know, if, if you have a natural gas stove. That's going to be have to be replaced too under the plan. Uh, natural gas dryer gone. You're going to have to have electricity for that. The demand for electricity is going to skyrocket. It's going to go up mm -hmm. three or four times at least. Even even as you improve, say, the overall efficiency of of appliances. Well, that means your prices are going to go way up. It also means since you need a lot more electricity. You're going to need, and if you're going to rely on wind and solar, you're going to need a tremendous amount of backup power. Now, the energy master plan says we're going to use battery storage. Well, the cost of, of relying on battery storage, you know, suppose you have a few days in winter where there's, there's a storm, there's no, there's no wind, it's just snow and no solar power. Mm -hmm. So where, where's all your electricity going to come? We from? just had it. We just had it a couple of weeks ago. We had it, it snowed for literally for three days. Okay. Well, three days, three, <laughs> you'd have to have three days worth of battery storage. Assuming you're not relying on PJM and all the natural gas and coal fired power that uh, New Jersey now imports. So the, the cost of, of, enough battery storage to meet all that electric load would be probably hundreds of billions of dollars. That's, and, and again, is the technology, is the technology there for the taking? Is it that simple to have solar panels on your roof and just store it? I mean, everything I have read and heard that the storage capacity is terrible right now, that they actually haven't figured that out uh, to well, be able to last for days. There, yeah, there, there really, you, you can, if you have enough, if you have enough batteries, you can store that much electricity. The problem is the cost of manufacturing all that battery storage is prohibitive. Uh, it, it relies on a lot of rare earth metals, which basically all come from China now. Uh, it also relies on like the cobalt in batteries. Um, that's from, those are, that is mostly sourced from the Congo uh, where it's mined using child and slave labor. So all the, all the, you know, the people who say they're very concerned about equity, et cetera, uh, you know, and, and you know, fairness for the underprivileged, well, they really ought to look at what's going on in the Congo uh, for, you know, that's your source of, of cobalt. Now, let's talk about uh, what we've seen. I know you, you mentioned the Manhattan Institute. I think it's a great organization as far as the research they do and the great minds they pull together. They, um, they've written, and, and I don't maybe you were part of this, I'm not sure, but uh, talked about how in Germany, you know, the reliance on, on 
fossil fuels has increased because they have not seen the efficiency with all the wind and everything else. And it's happening in other countries, not happening in France, where they rely on nuclear power. Can you address that? Yeah, um, essentially what I, I may have written that um, Germany is essentially relies on other countries to supply it with electricity when it's wind and solar doesn't work. Uh, Germany decided about 10 years ago to eliminate all its nuclear power plants. Or, uh, that was in 2012 in response to the Fukushima mm -hmm. uh, disaster in Japan. And so New Jersey went on what's called the energy venda, uh, which means energy transformation. And what they're doing is they're, they're trying to uh, meet all their electricity needs with wind and solar. And I've been to Germany and, and you know, you see these, these beautiful landscapes and they're you know, covered with solar panels and giant wind turbines. Uh, not, not what I think is very picturesque, but maybe some people like that. Uh, but what's happening in Germany, and now Germany, by the way, has the highest electricity rates in Europe tied with Denmark. It had much lower rates. They're now over 30 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and so what, what happens is when New Jersey, uh, or I'm sorry, when Germany has, um, there's no wind, it's cloudy, and it, it's cloudy a whole lot in the winter in Germany, um, they have to import power from other European countries. Sometimes they import uh, hydro for, from Norway, uh, but a lot of times they're just relying on, uh, you know, coal-fired power plants mm -hmm. from other countries like Poland. And so the, the claim of, of being clean is just nonsense. And you also see uh, increases in what's called energy poverty. Uh, I wrote about that again for the Manhattan Institute about five years ago uh, in California. But New Jersey is going to see a huge spike in electric prices, uh, which is going to result in more energy poverty um, and again, you're going to have, you're going to have, and what do you mean by that? Let's just talk to the average person. You know, the, the person that is working the heavy equipment to repair the pipelines, et cetera, guys making, you know, $85,000 a year, let's say in, in New Jersey, that's, uh, that's barely scratching into middle-class with the cost of living here, but let's take that person, uh, by energy poverty. Do you mean that because the monthly bill would just go through the roof? Yeah, energy poverty is generally defined as more than 10% of your income goes for okay. your energy bill. Uh, and that's all of it. You know, electricity, gas, mm -hmm. uh, gasoline, et cetera. Um, and what you see, you're seeing this a lot in Britain now, people have to essentially choose. Do they pay for their, do they pay their heating bill or do they eat food? Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's not an exaggeration that's happening to a lot of people in those countries. Uh, what about, so, oh, go ahead, finish that thought. No, 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 I, that's fine, go ahead. I was just gonna say, let, let's talk about the environment for a minute. I mean, there, there is a, an always an ongoing debate about what impact human activity has on climate change. Obviously the climate has been changing for um, hundreds of thousands of years. And the, you know, the debate on rising sea level, you know, you look at the, these fantastical projections when it goes from 1.4 millimeters to 2.2 millimeters, and they extrapolate that percentage and then say, my God, we're going to be underwater in five years. Um, and ever since New York City was not underwater in 2015, 
as had been predicted. It's easy to debunk that and move past that. That said, there are those of us who understand that it's an, I believe it's a very exaggerated um, um, uh, responsibility they're putting on human activity. But people want clean water, people want clean air. And I've always said the argument really should be about pollution and, and not about climate change. Climate is going to change. Um, but you look back over the past hundred years, it's been very, very minimal change. You look back over a thousand years, very minimal change. But when you look at pollution, <laughs> you know th there are countries around the world that it's terrible, the smog in the cities and everything else. But in New Jersey in particular, we've got some of the cleanest fuel in the world. So what, how can you, how would you explain in layman's terms to someone how good nuclear and natural gas in particular are for the environment and the benefits and advances that we've made? Well, nuclear is, unlike wind and solar, nuclear is dependable. It's 24-7 electricity. Uh, natural gas is extremely clean. The, the increased reliance on natural gas in this country has allowed us to reduce uh, overall CO2 emissions in the U.S. since 2010 by almost 20%. Basically, the U.S., thanks to using more natural gas and substituting away from coal, has met its the, the Paris Climate Agreement uh, requirements. Um, what's worse, though, is let me give your, your listeners uh, a few figures. Um, the New, New Jersey has a, a greenhouse gas inventory. And in 2019, they said uh, New Jersey's greenhouse gas emissions were about 100 million tons. Sounds like a whole lot. Um, world emissions in 2019 were about 34, uh, oh, three, 34 billion tons. So let's suppose New Jersey eliminated all 100 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions immediately. Snap your fingers, gone. That's less than one day's worth of world emissions. Now, the other thing, wow. but it, it gets worse. So, so what that means is that New Jersey, none of this is going to have any measurable impact on CO2 emissions worldwide or climate. Can't be measured. What's worse, though, is you start looking at where New Jersey gets all its electricity for now. You know, they want to go to 100% renewables. Uh, I, I don't think that's technically feasible even, uh, unless you have some sort of uh, uh, sea change in technology. But right now, um, they talk about electric vehicles being so clean, and it's going to reduce pollution. Well, I have got a report on electric vehicles for affordable energy for New Jersey that should be coming out very soon. And if you look at, because New Jersey, those electric vehicles will be uh, recharged with power electricity from PJM. So you look at, well, what kind of electricity is being generated on the margin in PJM? And it's natural gas, coal, and so Just define PJM. Out, what, what are you defining that as? Okay, PJM um, is New Jersey's part of PJM. PJM is a 13-state consortium okay. um, that operates the all the electric generating plants, coordinates their operation, and all the high-voltage transmission lines. 
Okay. So what PG, PGM's job is, is to try to provide electricity to all the retail, re, retail utilities at the lowest cost and ensure that electricity is reliable and safe. That's its job. So PGM, rather than say, uh, having your own generator, you know, you might have a generator at your house, like you mentioned, Bill, um, that's less reliable electricity than having 1400 generators in 13 states that can be relied on. So if something happens to one, the others are there. That, that's how PGM ensures reliability. Um, so what's going to happen is you replace this direct use of natural gas um, with electricity. Well, the electricity is being generated mostly with natural gas and coal. So you end up increasing air pollution. You, you remove it, granted, you remove it from your house or the local neighborhood, but instead you produce much more emissions that, you know, primarily west of the state, well, the prevailing winds, as you know, are from west to east. And so the pollution just drifts over the state. And for electric vehicles, I, I calculated that in New Jersey, based on the current mix of generating resources in PGM, sulfur dioxide emissions will increase 50 times. Uh, NOx emissions will increase by you know three or four times because of all the backup power generation. That's because right. Of because the inefficiency you know, of wind. Essentially, if you look at how clean a, a new gasoline-powered vehicle is, and you compare that with buying an electric vehicle that is then uh, whose batteries are recharged with power from PJM, you'll find that. Well, the, the emissions of NOx and SO2 go way up. So do the emissions of particulates. Because they're producing the electricity to power to the cars can charge, as opposed oh. to isolating it to a very clean, burning, fuel efficient gasoline that's, car. That's right. And yeah. I also looked at the CO2 emissions. That's, right. that's amazing. Uh, and, found, and discovered that if you if you replaced all New Jersey's vehicles to, with, under the, the, uh, the, the legislation to put 3 million uh, electric vehicles on the road by 2035, the reduction in CO2 emissions over that, that entire 15-year period from this year through 2035 would amount to a reduction of 11 hours worth of emissions, world CO2 emissions just in 2019. Again, it's that's amazing. cumulative over 15 years. It's amazing. So, Useless. So, Useless. And, and again, what, what, what is very strange is that the folks promoting uh, the legislation to implement electric vehicles said, you know, we're doing this to address climate change. Well, that's clearly not happening. This legislation will not address climate change won't have any impact on climate, on world climate at all. And it will in fact increase air pollution. So, so bottom line is doc, if you're talking to a, uh, you know, a young uh, environmental warrior who wants to stop all kinds of emissions because we want to save the planet. And we all agree with the premise that the left tends to come up with and say, look, if you stop everything, the planet will be fine if we just got rid of all the 
human energy needs. Let's take that premise, apply it to this plan. Even the most radical environmentalist loses the argument on this because they are actually, in a sense, increasing the noxious gases and the CO2 output because you have to power the grid. Have I got that? Yeah, I mean, you're going to increase the air pollution. I don't consider carbon dioxide a pollutant myself. Agreed. You're you're going to the reduction. But I'm saying buying their argument, do you end up increasing it? um, Well, you end up, yeah, you end up increasing some of the air pollutants. And, but the decrease in, in carbon dioxide is so tiny, it doesn't make any difference. In fact, uh, last month, I think uh, uh, President Biden's ener- new energy czar, John Kerry, uh, admitted that even if the entire U.S. cut its emissions to zero today, there would be essentially a minimal impact on climate because uh, we account for just you know, 10% of well, world emissions. And I have China to tell you, and India are just rapidly increasing theirs. Jonathan, I knew you and I were going to hit it off and get along. The minute you said uh, CO2, I am a huge fan of Dr. William Happer, who, uh, of course, Professor Princeton, who wrote the, the, uh, the, the peer-reviewed study in defense of CO2. And it was a fascinating read. And most people don't take the time to read those white papers. But when you look at the, the, the lifeblood of the environment, CO2, et cetera, uh, the, the media spin on this has gotten it so wrong. And sadly, it is now resulting in policy. It's, it's not an academic argument any longer. It's a policy decision, which increases the cost of the very people that need the help the most. Well, you're, you're, you're probably right. And a lot of this, and that, that's really one of the biggest problems with the energy master plan and the legislation mandating electric vehicles, it is going to hit lower income New Jerseyans, middle-class New Jerseyans, small business very hard. And, and not only will it raise the cost, uh, the direct costs, you know, the $60 billion for just installing, you know, retrofitting all the space heat, mm-hmm. Uh, I've estimated that the direct cost for New Jersey of meeting the electric vehicle mandate could be easily $55 billion by 2035. You're going to see increases in the price of electricity. Well, what's that going to do? Those, that's going to lead to higher costs to produce goods and services that use electricity, which is virtually everything. And so cost consumers are going to end up paying more for goods and services they need, more for their food, more for, uh, you know, obviously more for their electricity, uh, more for just about everything. Businesses are gonna have higher costs relative to their competitors. So what you're gonna see is that um, this, you know, this legislation is going to uh, drive away businesses, it's probably gonna Mm -hmm. drive away uh, residents of the state uh, and it's going to cost thousands of jobs. So let's let's say, just hypothetically, as I wrap up a couple of minutes, um, that eventually New Jerseyans elect a governor who uh, believes that CO2 is not a pollutant. They elect a governor who believes that the market should drive choices in efficiency so that costs can be kept down for working and middle-class people. Uh, they elect a governor who understands that natural gas and nuclear are the cleanest, most efficient, effective, and most affordable forms of consistent, reliable energy. What would you advise that governor as far as how to work into 
a statewide budget that would protect the infrastructure we have now and what kind of resources would need to be spent. Because even if the master plan goes out the window, there is still an enormous cost of shoring up the infrastructure, which I understand um, has really been neglected over time, especially in the time that we've had uh, Phil Murphy as governor, because they are not looking to, they want to get rid of it. They don't want to fix it. But what would you advise as far as what are the important next steps that would keep energy costs down and keep our lights on efficiently to make this state more affordable for everyone? Well, the first thing I would start with is uh, allow more natural gas pipelines to be constructed to bring in low-cost Marcellus shale gas from Western Pennsylvania into New Jersey. Uh, that, that would obviously lower direct costs for people who use natural gas for heat. And then I would uh, you know, focus on building new natural gas plants uh, that are to generate electricity, low cost, reliable electricity. Um, then I would also look at, uh, you know, uh, a commitment to new nuclear power resources. Everyone's afraid of nuclear power, but if you're truly committed to uh, emissions-free electricity, that is the only solution out there. So, you know, I would start with that. Uh, and then in terms of local infrastructure, uh, I'm not sure how, you know, how badly the local, you know, poles and wires situation is in the state, you know, how much uh, investment needs to be made in that. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's all, all sorts of things that can be done to uh, improve reliability and lower costs. Uh, Green virtue signaling, which is all that this this legislation and the energy master plan is, because it won't have any beneficial impact on the environment. Don't don't pursue virtue signaling. It doesn't work. Uh, it's just you know, and especially if you're concerned about impacts, as, as they, the 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 New Jersey uh, governor's administration says, and the EMP says they're very concerned with lower income people. Uh, you know, distressed communities, people of color. Well, those are the very people who are going to be harmed the most. And so all of the, the subsidies that they're envisioning will benefit the wealthiest New Jerseyans. Uh, to me, it just makes no sense to pursue policies that are both economically in, inefficient and plus being inequitable in that they impose huge costs on the poor. It just makes no sense to me. Well, Jonathan, thank you. I, I truly appreciate your expertise, your insight, and the, uh, the way you're able to explain this for those of us who are not experts in the field as you are. So thank you for joining me today. Uh, let's, uh, let's stay in touch for sure. What I'd like to do is loop back around in the next few weeks or months and have you back on. And let's talk about where we are in this state as a snapshot of uh, what's happening today and how far along they are. And you know, and and um, if there's going to be a point of no return with this, that even a new governor would have a problem reversing some of the commitments that have been made. So we'll certainly follow this, and let's uh, let's hope that New Jersey does not end up with rolling blackouts like New York or like um, like California. But thank well, you for joining. Not, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Jonathan. How just real quick as we wrap up, how do people read the uh, the articles that you've written? They go to uh, NJ Affordable Energy. 
Uh, are you on social media? How do they find you? Um, they Right now, they can see most of the things on the Manhattan Institute website uh, that I've written. And also the reports are, are uh, on the Affordable Energy for New Jersey website. Great. Well, we will be linking to all those. And again, thank you for the time. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.